everybody. Thank you so much for joining us today on episode number 240 of the Real Life Runners podcast. As runners, we tend to be more of the type A personalities where we like data, we like setting goals, we like to drive and challenge ourselves. And today we're going to talk about the trap of perfectionism because a lot of times that is something that kind of comes along with the territory. This is the Real Life Runners Podcast, and we're your hosts, Kevin and Angie Brown. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now let's get running. All right, so before we jump into the episode, just a quick reminder, if you are hearing this podcast on the day that it's released, which is February 18th, 17th, Thursday, February 17th, the Real Life Runners Training Academy is currently open for new members for enrollment. If you are looking to become a stronger runner and achieve your goals and you want some guidance along the way, you want a training plan that's customized for you, you want other runners to have your back and support you and cheer you on along the along the way, the Real Life Runners Training Academy is exactly where you want to be. So go check that out before doors close on February 17th over at realliferunners.com forward slash team. Okay, that's how you can get signed up. And if you miss that deadline, you can sign up for our wait list so that you'll be the first one to know next time the, the team or the academy opens up for enrollment. Excellent. All right, so let's talk about perfectionism because I'm honestly, I'm not sure why. I can't remember what triggered this idea in my head the other day, but when we were talking about ideas for the podcast, I talked I thought about this idea of perfectionism because I think that as runners, we tend to be a little bit more type A types. Yeah, definitely very type A types. Type A types. <laughs> yeah, personalities. It's a very driven group of people. Like yeah. you're not going to go out there and knock off mile after mile and and sign up for these longer races of a half marathon or anything or even a 5k that you're going to like push yourself really hard. Like all of that takes a whole lot of internal drive and that sometimes can go a little bit too far where that internal drive leads to things have to be done perfectly. Yeah, and you know, it's funny because we, I thought of this topic a couple of days ago, and then I actually jumped on a parent workshop um, for a friend of mine. She runs a softball like mental performance training, and she was having a parent workshop last night, and it was all about perfectionism. So I actually learned a couple of new things that um, we, I'll probably try to talk about in today's episode as well. But I just want to dive into this idea of perfectionism and you know, if you find yourself kind of wanting to be perfect or striving to be perfect, um, how is that benefiting you and how could that possibly be hurting you? Because there are two sides of this coin. Right. So you've got the workshop you were listening to last night on perfectionism. I'm reading Brene Brown and I'm on the section about perfectionism. Oh. So we've got all sorts of good stuff. I love that you're out. reading Brene Brown. That like you have no idea how happy that makes my heart. It'd be neat if we were related to her, but alas. She is. She's our cousin. Ah yes, we cousin Brene. We already determined this. Like anyone with the last name Brown is our cousin. So if you have a last name of Brown, email us because we can be cousins. Perfect. Yeah, you know, just ask Corey. Yes. My friend Corey Brown. She was one of our um guests here in the episode way back, I don't know, a, a while ago. Yeah. It's, it, yeah, it was last year or the year before. It's been a while. I don't know, but we should link that episode we because that is a that. great episode. Yeah, Corey is awesome. Shout out to Corey Brown. So anyway, into perfectionism. Okay, so one of the things that I think is funny, and I didn't really know that this was like a term. So last night in the workshop, she was talking about two different types of perfectionism. There's actually functional perfectionism and dysfunctional perfectionism. And All we right, were, you got to go into this one. Well, we will. And, you know, we are going to talk about this. I just didn't understand the terms for them before, which is pretty cool that there are terms for them. So, I mean, essentially, 
you know, functional perfectionism is that internal drive that we have. It's that drive to challenge ourselves, to get better, to want to be perfect, right? Okay. It, and in some ways, that's a really good thing, right? In some ways, that can help us. It can help us to set bigger goals, and it can help us to try to live up to our own expectations and strive for excellence and greatness, right? Like, there is that side of it. But it's – and then there are, is dysfunctional – perfectionism where it's talking more about um, how your need for perfection can actually hold you back, right? It can actually make you not want to start. It can make you feel bad about when you don't reach that level of perfection that you set for yourself. It can make you feel guilt or shame if you aren't quote unquote perfect, which, you know, is really a farce in the first place. Yes. I mean, that's part of the whole issue with this is that you're not perfect. I'm not perfect. Angie's remarkably close to perfect. Oh, you're just scoring points I all over the board today. Nailed that one. Yeah. Brene Brown, perfection. <laughs> there we go. Um, but we are all perfect at the same time, which is the ooh, craziest thing. Good one. Right? Like, I mean, if there's so many ways that we can come at this, right? Like every single one of us is perfect just as we are because we are created by God, like in my in my belief, you can say the universe, you can be supreme divine intelligence, however you would like to think about it. But we are all created perfect. At the same time, we can still get better, which is like a very weird paradox, right? We can still strive to grow and to improve ourselves in all areas of our life. But we are perfect just as we are. And also, we will never actually be perfect. It kind of just depends on how you define perfect, which is different for everybody, I think. Right. I think I think we're enough as we are. Um, yeah. I, it might be a statement that more people can get on board with. Uh, it's tricky to say that we're all perfect and simultaneously not perfect, mm-hmm. but we're certainly all enough as we It's one of those brain benders. Are. Yes. You know, it's one of those brain benders that you have to kind of try to wrap your head around because... But yes, enough, perfect, you know, what word do we want to use? It's kind of semantics. Right, exactly. So um, we we certainly are enough, we can be enough, and yet we continue to push to kind of improve from where we currently mm-hmm. are. Like We can be satisfied with our current state and want more for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And that's a really hard thing, I think, to wrap your head around as well, right? Because I, I know for me, I've always thought, like, I can't be happy and satisfied now because then I'll just stay here, right? Like I won't have that underlying need to grow or to get better or to challenge my to challenge myself appropriately if I'm okay where I am. But what I have learned over like the past couple of years with a lot of the personal development that I've been doing and, and self-coaching and those kinds of things um, is that I can be enough as I am right now and I can be satisfied and content with where my life is right now and still want to grow. And I think that this is a really, really important concept because I think that um, a lot of times we try to come at personal growth and personal de- personal development from a place of lack, right? Like I'm lacking this thing. Like I, I want to be better at this thing. And same thing with running, right? Like I want to be faster. I want to be able to run longer. Um, I want to be able to push myself to a, a point so I can't be happy with where I am right now. Because if I'm happy, then that means I won't want to push myself. But it's actually the opposite. Like we can't grow from a place of lack and from fear and scarcity. That's not a place that we want to grow from. We want to grow from self-love and abundance. And, you know, we've talked about this on the podcast before about 
growing from a place of love. Like we can still love ourselves and want to improve and want to continue to grow and to change. And this is one of the things that my coach, Brooke Castillo, has taught me along the way is that you can be happy with where you are right now or content or satisfied, right? And still want to grow because why not, right? Like just because it's fun, just because it's fun to see what else am I capable of? And it's the same thing for our running. Like it's the same thing, you know, in business or in our personal life, in our relationships, in our running as well. Like you can be so happy with where you are right now, especially if you've look if you look back on how far you've come. Like we always talk about celebrating the journey, but also kind of looking ahead, say, okay, it could be really, really fun just to kind of see what I'm I'm capable of here. Right. But then sometimes when you look into that ahead of, I want to see what I'm really capable of. What is the maximum potential inside of me? Mm -hmm. And what is the perfect way to get to that? That's where you can sort of sometimes get a little stuck on this. And I think one of the good ways of looking forward is being very process oriented, Mm -hmm. where I just follow these small steps as best as I can and, and be satisfied with my progress along those. And eventually I'll get towards the really big goal. Mm-hmm. But getting so caught up in, I have to get to this really big goal. If that goal sounds crazy and super out there, then obviously the only way to get there is to follow the most perfect plan ever created for any runner and you have to follow it exactly to a T. Yeah. And I mean, that would be great if there was an actual formula for getting faster, right? And I think that that's what a lot of us want to believe. We want to believe that there is the perfect training plan out there. And this is might sound kind of funny coming from coaches that are selling like our coaching services. Like we have a membership program. We have developed a training method. We believe that our formula is the best formula and that our training plans will help you get to those places because it's worked for us and hundreds of runners that we've coached. But at the same time, it's not just, you know, insert this training plan, insert this workout and get these results. Like it's not like as long as you follow this to the T, you're going to get these exact results because we are all individuals. And one person can follow a plan and then someone else can follow the same exact plan and get different results. Hopefully both positive results, but different results, or maybe on a different timeline than other people. Yeah, the timeline is definitely something that can be changed. Um, The way that one runner absorbs volume, like it's not like I'm racing a 10K. Oh, perfect. Then you need to do exactly 35 miles per week. That's the optimum training. You know, if you're on like the super elite level, oh, I'm training for a marathon. Okay. You need 110 miles per week. Like there's not a set number. It it varies slightly for person Mm -hmm. to person. That's why even within our team, like people have slight variations off of plans because it has to work best for you so that you gain the optimum, you know, benefits from your plan. There's certain workouts that some people just don't really absorb benefits from or the exact same workout that like their friend loves that workout and they absorb the benefits so quickly from it. And they're like, oh, anytime I do quarter repeats at 5k pace, I feel amazing the next week and I can just go out there and I could race. And the other person's like, oh, I just feel spent, like exhausted for an entire week. Like that workout just destroys me. Well, which is so funny too, because how much of that is the way that you're thinking about the workout too, right? Like if you're really excited to do a workout and you're out there and you believe that that workout is the workout, the workout that's going to get you stronger, that's going to make you faster versus someone that has that same workout and they are 
you know, loathing it. They're like dreading that workout. Just your thoughts alone going into that workout have such a huge effect on the outcome that you will have, your experience of the workout and the results that you will get from that workout. It's all about the way that you're thinking about it. And so for us as runners, like it would be great, right? For a lot of us, I know there's so many people that, you know, have come into our coaching world and and asked us, you know, for specifically perfectly prescribed paces and, you know, because we as runners, a lot of us tend to be kind of scientifically minded, right? Like the type A, we like numbers, we like to have, um, What's the, what's the word I'm looking for? Data. Data and, you know, tangible, like something Ooh, tangible, tangible to yes. hold on to, right? Like we don't like kind of that like nebulous, um, airy fairy things sometimes, right? Like, so when we, when people come to us and we kind of teach them about effort-based training <laughs> and listening to their body, they're like, wait, wait, what? What, 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 what pace is that on my watch? So you're telling me to run like an L2. What does that mean? Like how is that a 10 minute mile? Is that an 11 minute mile? Like what are we talking about here? Like we've literally had these exact discussions with people. Okay, so if my 5K pace is 30 minutes, does that mean that my L2 should be at an 11.30 pace right. or like an 11.45? Mm-hmm. And it's like, um, no, it should, it should feel easy. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's a very in- interesting conversation right. to have. It is. And it's really like, that's what one of the things that makes effort-based training difficult for people that have this perfectionistic mentality because they think they're getting it wrong, right? Like, I- I'm not sure, is this L2? I'm not sure if I'm doing this right. You know, well, it's like, well, how does it feel? And it's like, it's hard if, if it's not on your watch, right? And-, and this is one of the things that like, you know, have made smartwatches so popular is that it's right there in front of you. You know, like you have, straight up data telling you in real time am I doing this right am I getting this workout perfect am I nailing these paces and a lot of times we crave that like all of us do right like all of us want that positive feedback that we're moving in the right direction that we're getting this right Excuse the interruption, but I just had to pop in and let you know about an upcoming workshop that we're hosting inside the Real Life Runners Academy. If you're someone that's ever struggled with thoughts or beliefs that are getting in your way, or you think you're self-sabotaging yourself and you can't understand why you're doing things that you don't want to do or not doing things that you know you should be doing or want to be doing, this message is for you. We're hosting a special academy workshop May 14th and we're bringing in an expert in neuro-linguistic programming, Ms. Megan Blacksmith. And she's going to be teaching us how the thoughts that we have can either be helping us in our life or holding us back. And we want to invite you, our amazing podcast listeners, to join us. So you don't have to be a member of the Academy to join us this month. You can join for a small one-time fee by going over to realliferunners.com forward slash workshop. If you are a current Academy member, this and all of our monthly workshops and all experts, that's all already included in your current membership. So if you are a current member, do not go to the website and repurchase because it's already included with your membership. But if you want to join just for the workshop, check it out over at realliferunners.com slash workshop today. Now, back to the show. One of my favorite features off of the watch is constant 
in, inundated with heart rate at all times. Mm-hmm. Like you can go down and check your heart rate and then you can compare it to the magic heart rate tables to mm-hmm. see if you're in your appropriate heart rate zone mm-hmm. because, you know, you figure out the table and it's like, oh, well, as long as you're under 140, you're fine. And so then you can set your watch to give you an alarm as soon as your heart rate goes to 141 because obviously you're making completely different physiological adaptations if your heart rate's at 141 versus 140. Yeah, that's not okay. That's a different zone. <laughs> Zone. It's a different zone. Different zone. It, they're color coded, mm-hmm. so I know that it's very scientific. Nope, you just move from green to orange. Oh goodness, you in trouble. <laughs> but here's the thing, right? I think that so many times we want the measurable, right? As humans, I think this is just a natural tendency for us to have. We want measurable evidence that we are getting things right, that we are doing the right things, that we are moving in the right direction, because. This data, these measurements, they give us this illusion of control, right? Like, yes. And we want to feel in control. We want to feel in control of our running. We want to feel in control of our life and our career and our profession. So if our salary is moving up, if our salary is increasing, that is showing us, that is measurable evidence that we are moving in the right direction, right? If our heart rate is going down, if our pace is going up, like all of these data points give us this feeling of control and this feeling that we're doing it correctly. Like it's, it's something that you can literally check off, something that you could record. Mm-hmm. My resting heart rate has gradually decreased. That's, that's great, except on occasion, sometimes your heart, resting heart rate will actually go down as a, an indicator of overtraining. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes your heart rate goes up for overtraining, but if you maintain like an elevated heart, resting heart rate, for more than a few days, it will then start being like uh, an extra depressed heart rate. And that may be because you actually gained the positive physical adaptation, or it may be a sign of overtraining. Yeah. It's tricky to determine which one it is. It can be tricky. And that's where you kind of have to start asking yourself, like, is there a benefit to what I am measuring? And how well is it being measured? That's the other thing that we really have to think about especially with these smartwatches. Like a lot of us have a a watch on our wrist that has a little sensor at the back of the watch that is measuring our heart rate. And while this technology is phenomenal, it is not 100% accurate. There is a margin of error. I mean, I know that it's happened to me. I've I've looked down. I'm on a totally easy run. Heart rate is like hanging out right where I want it in my like easy zone. And I'm feeling good. I'm feeling relaxed. And then all of a sudden I looked down and my heart rate had like shot up 40 beats. And I yep. was like, wait, what? Like, and thank goodness I have that skill of assessing my effort level. Cause I know I am still running easy. My effort level has not changed here. My pace hasn't really changed that much. And it also doesn't feel harder. So why is my heart rate just flying through the roof? And it, gets me mad sometimes because then it messes up my average heart rate on the run, you know, in in Garmin. (laughs) I'm like, I get like angry at my watch because I'm like, you're lying to me right now. And now it's going to show me that my max heart rate on this run was 180, even though it wasn't, it never was because I'll like, sometimes I'll even stop and I'll check it because I know how to manually check my heart rate and it's right where I expect it to be right where it was you know 10 seconds ago and had this random spike so how well is this data even being measured how accurate is this data and I think that's a really important thing for us to keep in mind because those of us you know that that love the numbers a lot of times and and I see this happening 
with my running friends all the time. You know, we do a run and they feel good afterwards and they look down at their watch and it's like unproductive and it's like wah, wah, and it's like, or their VO2 max goes down, you know, or even though they felt good, whatever number their watch is spitting out at them is not the number that they wanted it to be. And so they let that mean... They make that mean that they did the the run wrong or they got it wrong or they're losing fitness or they're detraining or, you know, it wasn't a productive run when it may be physiologically, maybe let's just even assume that the watch is correct, okay. right? That, you, that was a little bit harder and it wasn't really a quote unquote productive run for you physiologically. What was it me- like mentally? You know, maybe you were pushing yourself, maybe you were able to push harder for a longer period of time than you've ever really been able to do before. So mentally, that was a very beneficial workout because even though your heart rate was higher and your body was screaming at you, you were able to continue to push through. And maybe mentally, that was a really great workout. But then all of a sudden, you look at your watch and there goes the mental benefit of the workout. Garmin tells you, your training load was 4.7. You're overreaching. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not overreaching. I was overreaching on purpose. You're overreaching, Garmin. (laughs) So... (laughs) One of the other things is you have to figure out, like, why is it measuring that? Like, what are you actually gaining from that? And this is, I think, exactly what you were talking about is your feelings are kind of a combination of what you expected the numbers to spit out you and what they actually spit out Mm -hmm. at you. You know, this happens in the middle of a race also. Like, well, I was planning on holding you know, I don't know, eight minute miles. And at the six mile mark of my half marathon, I was exactly on pace. I hit 48 minutes right at that, but I wasn't feeling good. I expected to be feeling okay. And I was feeling terrible. Mm -hmm. And now suddenly you're going to start spiraling off of that one because I wasn't feeling good off of this one. Even though I've, I've been nailing my pace perfect because you didn't bother checking in with your body along the way of it, it. Was I feeling fine at mile one? Was I feeling fine at mile two? If, if you had to stick with exactly the eight minute pace, because that's what your watch told you. That was what the plan suggested that that was the perfect pace for you to go out at then you don't give yourself that leeway of being able to check in with your body and say, hey, maybe this was too aggressive of a pace to start at today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because sometimes like our body needs a little bit of extra time to warm up, right? And if we honor that, if we're saying, you know, that we feel really tired for whatever reason and maybe your legs just aren't into it at the beginning, if you honor that and give your body that time to kind of warm up a little bit, you might actually have found that you'd be able to perform better in the back end of the race who Mm -hmm. knows you know obviously we'll never know that but it's a possibility you know like is it better for you to go out and try to hit those even paces and push exactly at that goal race pace the entire time or is it better for you to listen to your body you know these are things that we can debate and this is why training can't be perfect right because there (laughs) isn't one right answer and this is one of the things i think that that frustrates a lot of runners right because it'd be wonderful if there was one right answer but there's just not and there isn't even one right answer for the same runner on different days or in different training cycles or in different years of their of their life right like what worked for you five years ago might not be working anymore and that's when you have to change it up and so i think that we can get very frustrated around it and that's kind of where um, we go into that dysfunctional perfectionism right we we thought we had it figured out we thought things were working well and things were perfect quote-unquote perfect but it's not working well anymore and we can get down on ourselves and we can get frustrated and angry mad and and just kind of like throw up our hands 
Or we can take this as an ex a time that we can start to problem solve, right? Like, okay, what if, what if I try something a little bit different? And I think that this is, you know, where a lot of runners end up coming to us, which is like so much fun because they try the, you know, generic training plans that they download off the internet. And maybe they've worked with coaches before who have given them those exact paces or, you know, various things and they haven't gotten the results that they want. And so they're like, well, you guys are teaching something new. Maybe I'll give this a shot, you know? And I think that that's a really great way to start thinking about it. Like, okay, well, what if I just try something different? What happens if I kind of let go of that need for perfectionism and just kind of open myself up to something new? Yeah, which is really tricky for the perfectionist. Oh, it's so to hard. Be able to <laughs> it's so hard. Like it, it opens with understanding that that training plan is not perfect. Yeah. But it's still it's a good, very well educated guess mm -hmm. as to what should work. Okay, because there's a lot of different ways to train. There's a lot of different coaching systems that work. And, and, they're, they, and they're all great. They're you all know, great. They're all great. They all work. You just have to kind of figure out which one works best for you right. at this time in your life. Yes, that yeah. was the other thing is just because it worked for you before does not mean it's going to work exactly again because, you know, beyond like elite runners where they have to kind of adjust things based off of like age and, and how they may have uh, advanced in fitness from the previous thing. The rest of us have real lives mm -hmm. that we need to kind of figure out how the training plan is going yeah. to work for us. Like I may have been able to work on a training plan where I could go five days a week, but now I can only go four days a week. What's that new training plan going to mm -hmm. look like for me? Yeah. You maybe got you got a new job and now you have a commute that you didn't have before, or you have new responsibilities or you're at work longer. There's so many things that you know, play, play a role in what kind of training plan would work best for us. Right. So you kind of have to start with the idea that the plan is not perfect, but it, it's a pretty good idea. Yeah. It's a good starting point. And then it, it gives you some, some ability to kind of move things around. Cause if you assume that the plan is perfect, then you have to follow it exactly. no matter, yeah, no matter what else comes up. And then now you're suddenly, you're blowing off other commitments. And if you don't follow the plan, you're super, super frustrated because you assume that, oh, I've missed this one day. And now the whole plan has been just shot. Right. I've messed it up. I've messed the plan yeah, up. I've messed it up. It's not perfect anymore. I've messed it up. But this is why, you know, and I've actually, one of, um, one of our newest clients came to me and said that she was working with the previous coach and he gave her a training plan, and if she missed a day or wanted to adjust things, he would get mad at her. That This is what she told me. Like, I, I obviously don't know exactly what happened between them, but it was kind of like, you have to follow it exactly or it's not going to work. And it's like, okay, but that's not real life. Like, how many people can actually follow a training plan exactly as it's written without adjusting anything? Like, I would say that that is few and far between. And there are those people out there, you know, especially, and if you are like have ever done that, you probably have some perfectionistic tendencies. I'm guessing, right? I'm, I'm guessing that if you have to check all of the boxes on your training plan, exactly as they're written, that you pr probably, you know, are relating to this episode and, and, you know, maybe we're hitting some, some, um, soft spots here for you because honestly, no training plan is perfect and missing a day is not a big deal. But if you feel like that, it, you know, the plan, this is the perfect plan and I have to follow it perfectly. When you do miss a day, when life does get in the way, which inevitably it will, then all of a sudden everything goes out the w window. And that's just like a very hard place to be in because 
there's really a low success or low chance of success with those with that kind of mentality. Right, but you point out it's a difficult place to be in, but it's also a great one if <clears throat> if you have the the perfectionist mindset as you're heading into a race and you're like, oh man, I followed the plan except I missed like four Tuesdays ago. I couldn't do that workout, and so if I don't PR, it's probably that thing's fault. Like you have a built-in excuse when you tow the line at whatever race you're going to. If you didn't follow the plan to a T, you can blame the plan. Mm-hmm. Like you can say, oh, the plan was great, but I managed to miss this day and that day. And therefore, because of that, because I, I was not quite perfect enough, now my race will not be perfect. Mm-hmm. And that's the issue. Well, you know, it's that door, right? It's that it's finding something or someone else to blame is such a natural human response. Like I see myself going to blame all the time and I have to like, I've gotten to the point now where I consciously am aware of it and have to like be like, no, 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 this was my, this was my responsibility. This was my, you know, and bring it back to me. But it's, I think it's a very natural human response to like, if something goes wrong, especially for those of us that like this idea of perfection. It's very, we're very quick to try to figure out what went wrong and whose fault it is. And it's not mine. Well, I mean, (laughs) sometimes when you get a little bit more evolved, you know, you can, you can start to see where you had played a role, but it's much easier to blame the weather, right? Or like not even saying you have to blame another person, but you can blame external circumstances that are outside of your control. And that's what makes the whole idea of perfectionism even more um, unreachable, right? Because there are so many external circumstances that are out of our control. Right. And I mean, the reality is that your plan has wiggle room built into yeah. it. Missing a day does not result in suddenly massive detraining. Like it takes a while to detrain your body mm-hmm. from all the fitness you've gained. And the advances that you gain, it's not like you hit one workout on a Thursday and suddenly you're a superhuman. Like it's repeating. Sometimes simil- you feel that way though. This is true, but it's repeating similar styles of workouts week upon week upon week and building up the, you know, brick upon brick mm-hmm. until you really make that significant advancement in whatever area of fitness that plan is trying to go at. Right. You know, right. But the, the funny thing about this and kind of, again, another paradox that likes to pop in here is that like very few advances can be made if you're actually spending your time worrying about the advances that are not being made, right? Like, <laughs> well, I, I'm, I'm not really advancing in my training plan. If you're constantly thinking about that, you're constantly worrying that you're not improving or that you're not gaining fitness, then you're going to be very blind to the fitness and the progress that you actually have been making. Right. Plus you're filling your body with like worry, Mm -hmm. which means you're then sending off all the hormones that are rooted in in worry. And when your body is filled with stress hormones, it's not actually recovering, which means it's not making the adaptations from the workout that you did the day before. Ooh, yeah. Like it's not only a mental thing. It's actually physiological. No, there's actually physiologically, you don't have the right hormones surge in your body to Mm -hmm. make the, the strength and fitness gains. That's so crazy and it's so true yeah yeah it's so so true right because when we stress when we have any sort of stress on our body there's certain hormones that are released right when we get cortisol and adrenaline and there's lots of different hormones that are released in our body 
And those stress hormones, whether they are released via a physical mechanism or a mental mechanism, are still hormones that are floating around your body, yep. right? <laughs> and they're gonna have they're gonna affect the way that your body is adapting to any of the response or any of the um, stressors that you're placing on it. Right. So then you're like, oh well, I had a hard workout, then I got a recovery day where I freaked out about whether my recovery was on point, and then I have another hard workout. Yeah, but you never had a recovery day. Mm, wow. <laughs> yeah, it's so true, and people. It's hard to wrap your head around this sometimes that like, you know, how much of an effect our mental, the mental side of everything has on our physical adaptations, on our physical fitness. But it's so, so true. Like when we are stressed, when we have a lot of things on our mind, you're not going to adapt the same way, you know, as, you know, if you're stress-free. Yes. Not that any of us are stress-free, per Not se. completely stress-free. Especially not nowadays. It's a matter of how much you internalize right. some of that. Yeah, that's exactly true. All right. So if if you're kind of sticking to a plan and you have to stick to the plan, I think we've covered a little bit that there is wiggle room, that you can give yourself a little bit of grace, that mm-hmm. you're not going to be completely detrained or make no advances if you miss a workout or a run every once in a while. So some people take that and go all the way to the opposite of perfectionism. Be like, all right, if if the plan has wiggle room or I'm not going to be able to hit every single day of the plan, why do I need a plan in the first place? Yeah, Just throw the plan out the window. I'll go out and run when I can run, mm-hmm. which also has its own issues with it. So many issues connected with that one. But it's basically throwing your hands up in the air and saying, well, perfectionism doesn't work. I'll try the exact opposite of it. Right. And it's like I think that a lot of times we can get to that point out of sheer frustration, right? Like if we are trying to follow things perfectly and not getting the results that we hoped for, then it's like, well, then what's the point, right? Yeah. It's that that's it's the big like effort effect, right? And it's like what we have to remember here is that training plans are created based on best practices, like you said before, right? The plan is going to work most of the time for most athletes. That's how training plans are created. This is why there are so many generic training plans all over the internet. You can buy tons of running books that have training plans probably somewhere in the back, right? There are tons of training plans that are created based on the amount of knowledge that we have at that point, right? Like based on that coach's training philosophy, based on the best practices that they've seen work for the most people. And that's really what happens. Like a lot of times these plans work with a lot of different people, but Every single system, every single program are going to have outliers, right? That the system doesn't work exactly right for. There's going to be people that get better results than, you know, most people get using that plan. And then there are going to be people that get worse results or no results after using that plan, right? Because it wasn't right for them. And this is why training plans, they're definitely important. We need to have, if we want to progress, if we want to move forward in our running, we do need a plan, but we also need to understand that like, it's all kind of trial and error, right? It's all one big experiment. And that's really why we love seeing running as a journey. You try one thing, you see how it works for you, and then you kind of tweak things and you adjust it. And that's why it's important. That's why we created like, um, what we'd like to call the training method, right? It's, a framework, you know, with principles and pillars of like, we need to keep in mind all of these things, right? We need to learn how to be more mindful in our running. We need to um, overcome the mental hurdles and obstacles. And, you know, there are different strategies that we teach for that. Like there, um, we have to think about our running form. We have to think about our breathing. We have to think about strength training, right? But 
all of the weight that you give to all of those different things, that's different for each person, right? Like each person person needs to focus a little bit more on one area versus another, right? Like there are a lot of people that come to us and they, they say, well, I need to fix my running form. And I'm like, says who? Right? Probably not. Right. Like maybe, you know, maybe you are someone that could benefit from running form adjustment, right? But it's probably more of like a small tweak than an entire overhaul, right? And it's, it's different for everybody. But like we, again, like going back to those like data points, like we like to have those things to point to that we know that, okay, I can improve this. But when we when you have kind of a training framework you understand okay there are all of these things that play a role in my running there are all these things that affect how i feel which one do i want to kind of play with first right like i'm going to try to improve this area first and then you create a plan around that like okay i need to focus more on my strengthening you know for these for this training cycle so that i can kind of rebuild that running foundation and kind of deal with some of these aches and pains that i have going on or this nagging injury that doesn't want to go away like instead of trying to focus on pring in your race in 2 months maybe you should take a step back and say okay i really should deal with this injury first then i can build up that strength that will set me up for a more successful race training cycle in a few months. Yeah, that that's a, a really good point. You essentially you have all these different levers that you can pull on to yeah. improve different aspects of your fitness. You know, just from like a pure running perspective, if you you kind of leave out and I know I don't think you should leave out the strength training from from pure running perspective, but if you just think about different paces and efforts to train at you could train a whole lot at like really high speed. You could train a whole lot at really slow speed and they're going to get different adaptations. It's a matter of which levers you want to pull on. What's the ultimate goal? Like what area of your fitness are you trying to improve? Mm-hmm. Um, but even if two athletes are trying to improve the same area of fitness, that doesn't even necessarily mean they should get the exact same plan. I was just listening to a podcast. They were talking about a study um, a really well-run study. It's cited all the time because of the outcome of it. They took a group of athletes and they had them all do the exact same training plan. And it was not anything that I would enjoy doing. It was all runs at moderate pace. Mm-hmm. It was like not super easy. There was never like higher end speed. Every run was at moderate pace and they checked their fitness at the beginning and the end, I think through like a time trial. And there were some people in the time trial that their fitness improved on like a 200%. There were some people who had zero improvement and there were some people that had negative improvement based yeah. off of it. They got slower based off of the training. So the spectrum of training on every single person was given the exact same plan. And you know it was monitored because it was a scientific study. So they're measuring everything and heart rate and lactate levels and all the stuff to make sure that your effort levels are done appropriately, mm-hmm. not, not just on feeling, but you know, I'm sure they're testing all sorts of different blood markers and the fitness changes were all over the board. This is why it's sometimes beneficial to have a coach in addition to your plan. Yeah. Have somebody that you can consult with and be like, I tried that workout and I feel fried from it. And like, like you, for instance, you can crush workouts that I give you if it's around like your two mile race pace. Mm-hmm. You destroy those workouts. I try those same workouts and I feel exhausted at the end of them. So having a coach that you can go in with and be like, look, I tried that workout and that was really at my like upper limit. I felt like that was like level 10, even though it was supposed to feel like a level eight. Cause I was trying to follow, you know, the pacing plan off of this guy. 
you go through the same workout and you're like, yeah, I, I could have probably done a whole nother set off of this workout and I felt pretty fine off of that. We're probably getting different adaptations, even though we're theoretically going at the same effort levels. Yeah, exactly. And that's why, you know, it is really important to have somebody there. And it's also important to have those different guideposts, right? Like we were talking about to direct you towards your goal, because that's actually going to give you that flexibility to adjust the plan when conflicts arise. It is still important to have a plan, right? Just because the plan is flexible and has wiggle room doesn't mean you don't need the plan or that you should throw it out the window. You still need to have that plan because, again, it's guidance, right? It's like having the lighthouse. If you've listened to some of our previous episodes about setting goals and those kinds of things, right? The goals are kind of the lighthouse that are guiding you in the right direction, showing you which direction to go. And the plan is your best bet of how to get there. But just like a GPS on your you know, car, sometimes you, you hit the road and your GPS is telling you this is the route. And then as you're 30 minutes down the road, your GPS is like rerouting, right? Like recalculating route. Recalculating, right? Because there's an accident up ahead that didn't it wasn't there when you started out, right? Like we went to um, a party the other day, Super Bowl party, um, and it was our friends who live an hour away. And another uh, one of our friends who live near us were going to the same party. They left early and were planning on getting up there early. It took them two and a half hours because there were like four accidents along the way. We left, let's see, they left at like 1230. We left at 230. So we left two hours after them and it only took us an hour because all of the traffic had cleared up, right? And that's kind of what happens with the training plan. You still need a route. You still need to know the direction that you're going and you still need to know, you know, the basics along the way, but also be able to be flexible and be able to jump on another road to avoid the accident that might be getting in your way. Right. And so having some like regular, similar style of workouts along the way could work as a checkpoint. Having uh, time trial races along the way act as checkpoints. It lets you know if you're still generally on the right path, if it feels like you're, uh, you're improving in terms of your fitness, not the number on a, on a watch that says, oh, my VO2 max is going up or that run was productive. But you know, a time trial, even if you hit the same pace on a time trial, did one feel better than the other one? Uh, if you hit like a, a similar style of workout, did one start feeling better? Are you generally, does it, it feel, and that's the tricky with trickiness of perfectionism is there's not a hard, fast number to some of these mm-hmm. things is it's a feeling that your fitness is improving. Right, exactly. So what we basically, you know, kind of want you to start thinking about is do you have these tendencies or this desire to be perfect in your running? Like, if is that something that's driving you? If it is, just start to take a look at that, you know, start to take a look at if you do miss a workout or if you mess something up on a training plan, like, are you beating yourself up about it? Are you feeling guilty about it? Is there a shame associated with that if you're not getting the perfect results that you are hoping for? You know, if you are following a training plan, do you feel really bad if it doesn't go perfectly or if you miss a day or if you have to adjust things? These are just things that you should start taking a look at because that desire for perfectionism, while it can be functional and beneficial because, you know, like I said before, you know, setting goals and pushing yourself to be better and and reaching for excellence, that can all be a very good thing, but you don't want it to start dipping into that dysfunctional area where it can shut you down and make you kind of uh, feel anxious and guilty and think about how 
you're a failure and how it's not working out the way you want it to. And maybe you're not meant to be a runner after all, or maybe you're not meant to be ever PR again. And maybe your best days are behind you. And like, Ooh, there's a brutal spiral no, you went in well, there. I, but, but that's what our brains do, right? Like, let's be honest. And maybe that's a little bit extreme, but our brains all spiral at some point in time. So it's important for us to kind of just like start to cut that off, right? Like get awareness, being aware that we might have some of these tendencies is a very powerful thing. Cause then we can start reprogramming our brain and catching ourselves when we do st- start to kind of fall back into those perfectionist, perfectionistic tendencies. Um, so just be able to give ourselves a little bit more grace and enjoy the journey along the way. Yeah. A little bit of grace, but not so much that you don't have a plan in the first place, like having some guidelines, but knowing that the, the map has a little bit of wiggle room to it. That's sort of the combination that you're going for. Exactly. So again, if you're hearing this on Thursday, February 17th, and you want some coaching, some guidance, you want a custom plan that's made for you, Head over to realliferunners.com forward slash team and check out the Real Life Runners Training Academy. I know we just told you this, we did this whole episode on like they're not being a perfect plan, but we do our best to customize a plan that we feel is going to be the right fit for you. And then you have coaches that will help you adjust things along the way. You know, that's, the, that's the benefit of yeah. coaching calls. Right. There's coaching calls. Like we had a, a coaching call yesterday. One of our clients got on. She decided she was going to do a half marathon. You know, she was on one training plan because she was just kind of trying to reestablish her consistency and her strength training. And the half marathon that she had signed up for like months ago. No, years ago. Years ago. <laughs> it was like two years ago. Yes. Right? But, but all these races got canceled and are just being rescheduled just got put back onto the calendar in like a couple of months. Right. And so we just adjusted her plan for her to help her hit that goal. But that's the benefit, right. Of having coaches and having flexibility along the way. And that's one of the things that we love to help provide runners. So if you're tired of being frustrated and confused and wondering why you're not making the progress in your running, come check out the Real Life Runners Training Academy. And if the doors are closed when you're hearing this episode, get yourself on the wait list um, so that you can find out when we reopen again and be the first to know there. So as always, guys, thank you so much for joining us. If you felt like this was a helpful episode, please share it with a friend. Take a screenshot of it. Share it to social media. If you put it on your Instagram story, please tag us at Real Life Runners um, so that we can say thank you. I would love to reach out and connect with more of you guys on Instagram. So if you are not following us yet, please come over and follow us at Real Life Runners and send me a DM and say hello. I would love to connect um, because I absolutely love our podcast listeners. So as always, thanks for joining us today. This has been the Real Life Runners podcast, episode number 240. Now get out there and run your life. Hey, if you enjoy listening to this podcast, you have to come check out the Real Life Runners training team. It's our monthly coaching program where we take all of this material, we apply it, and we take it to the next level. We teach you how to train your mind, body, and skills for true and lasting success in your running and your life. We offer customized training plans, live coaching calls, and one-on-one coaching, along with our proven system to help you transform into the runner you want to be and achieve your goals. Come join our team over at realliferunners.com forward slash team and start to truly run your life. We'll see you there. If you're ready to have more fun and achieve the goals that matter to you without sacrificing the rest of your life in the process, this message is for you. 
Maybe you're feeling confused or frustrated because you're not making the progress you want, even though you're running three times per week or more. Maybe you're feeling tired or sore all the time because you're pushing harder every day trying to get better. Maybe you want to run longer, but every time you run a couple of miles, that nagging knee pain starts to act up again. Maybe you've been told that you should probably stop running so much because you're getting older, but you refuse to accept that and want to find a way to continue to improve in your 40s, 50s, and beyond. Maybe you just feel like you're winging it every day and want to start working towards a goal. You want to feel better and be able to make progress in your running as you get older. And if you're like us and the other runners we work with, you want your running to help you become stronger and more resilient in all other areas of your life too. Plus, you need something that fits in your real life that is simple, easy to understand, and effective. Don't worry, we've got you. If you're ready to transform into a strong, confident, and successful real-life runner, the Real Life Runners Academy has everything you need. It includes training plans, coaching, and programs that will teach you how to run faster, run longer, feel better, and accomplish your goals. Check it out today over at realliferunners.com forward slash academy. Enrollment will be opening soon, so be sure to join the wait list so that you can be notified when doors are open. It's time to run your life.